All right, good morning. So we are starting a new series today. Oh yeah, you hear that, right? Some of you may remember from the last time I preached, this is a song that really gets me pumped. So if you're wondering like, whoa, did we just go into a Marvel? Kind of, yeah, we did. Actually, we're on the set of Narnia, so you could probably, if you look really closely, see Aslan somewhere through the wardrobe. You could check that out. If you don't know, we're doing a Narnia play coming up, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But we're starting a new series today. It's the Stars of Christmas, and I get the privilege of starting this series. Um, I am Nick. I'm the Director of Student Ministries here at Olive Branch, and I've been here for about a year. Thank you. <clears throat> Pay you later. <laughs> Uh, I've been here for about a year, and, um, and this is so great. So uh, my wife has been coming to Olive Branch since, um, since her little brother was in preschool, and he's 21 now. So she's been coming here this whole time, and uh, I've only been on staff for a year. And what happens is people come up to her and say, hey, aren't you Nick's wife? And she's like, oh, come on. I've been coming here forever. <laughs> No, he's my husband. <laughs> and so she's just like, really? I've been coming here for so long. And uh, it gets better. So um, she gets that all the time. Hey, are you Nick's wife? But she also, you know, she's a middle child. So um, she has middle child syndrome. And when she was in high school, she had an older brother that was a senior when she was a freshman. So all through high school, everybody's like, oh, hey, are you D's sister? And uh, she would go into the classes and some of the teachers would recognize her last name and they'd be like, are you D's sister? And she would be like, yes, but I promise I'll be a better student. <laughs> so, so she uh, always had that. Like literally, just her whole life, she always had to follow her older brother through all the classes. And then <clears throat> she played high school water polo and she was a stud. She played four years on the varsity team. I'm going to brag about her, okay? Um, you just have to deal with it for a moment. Uh, but she played four years on the varsity team, three straight times. She took Santiago High School to the CIF championship game. They got runner up all three times. Um, and then she was a two-year MVP. She played Division I uh, water polo at uh, Cal State Northridge. And, so, and she's played with some of the best women in the world. That, so a lot of them uh, she knows that went to the, uh, to the Olympics. And so with all of that, she would go back to Santiago to watch her little brother play water polo, and he was pretty good, but um, sometimes people would come up to her and be like, hey, aren't you Nico's sister? She's like, oh, come on. My name's in the banners. I have records here. Like, what do you mean? No, he's my brother. You, do, you should know me before you know him. Are you kidding me? Typical middle child. And so uh, it gets even better. Her mom and her dad uh, ran like a water polo program for a long time. And while, um, while her mom was doing this program, you know, they traveled around uh, Southern California quite a bit. And so Selena's been coaching water polo for probably about six years. She coaches a high school water polo for the boys and women's water polo at CBU. And even while she's coaching and she goes around, around to all these schools, <clears throat> sometimes people come up to her and be like, are you Maria's daughter? She's like, no, she never even played water polo. What do you mean? She just ran an organization. No, I, yes, I am Maria's daughter. <laughs> it gets even better. Last time I was here, I showed you this picture. And uh, that's Selena and our one-year-old boy, Stark. And that was his birthday. And so I showed you that picture, and I told you, you know, we celebrated Stark's birthday. And one of our families here uh, came to the fall, fall Festival, which was um, a few weeks ago. And uh, the family came up and said, 
hey, they recognized Stark from this picture, said, hey, wait, is that Stark? Because we had Stark out there dressed like a little shark uh, for, for a trunk or treat, and Selena had a little trunk, uh, little trunk set up with candy and everything, and she goes, that must be, wait, that's Stark, that must be Stark's mom. So from that picture, they recognized Stark and, and associate, oh, it must be Stark's mom. <clears throat> and so... Uh, this just, this always happens to Selena, literally all the time. Like she's always dealt with this. And then even literally Stark, I mean, he's just, he's unforgettable. At least, I mean, I might be a little biased, but like he's just the, you know, the cutest dog I've ever seen in my life. And, and so I'll take him, sometimes I'll take him out and I'll walk him. I call it the Stark Park. It's a dog park, but he thinks he owns everything. So it's the Stark Park. And uh, I walk him to the Stark Park and, um, and so every once in a while, she'll take him to the dog park. And, and while she's there, they'll be like, wait a minute, uh, is that Stark? Are you Stark's mom? And she's like, yes. And every once in a while, they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I always see your boyfriend out here, but I, I, you know, I've never seen you. And she, she's quick to correct them. No, he's not my boyfriend. He's my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and um, that's how she handles that. But poor Selena, right? I mean, she just has to put up with that. Literally, that happens all the time. So when you say Selena, um, uh, it happened in first service. Everybody was like, oh, are you Selena's wife? Or are you Selena's husband? And so I kind of signed myself up for that this week, didn't I? But Selena is like um, one of those actors. You know the, the actors where they're really, they're known for that role, right? Just like Selena, the actors, they, they're known for that specific role. And so uh, like, for example, I know Daniel Craig as James Bond. Like to me, Daniel Craig and James Bond, they're synonymous, right? Like whenever I see him, I'm thinking James Bond. Or, uh, or how about this one? What do you think of when you see Chris Hemsworth? You're thinking handsome, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thor, right? Buff, ripped, yeah. Uh, Thor, or how about this one? Hugh Jackman. It's all, notice that all the same type of movies. These are all the movies that I watch. Um, so Hugh Jackman, you always think of Wolverine. In fact, I'm actually wearing Wolverine socks today. There you go. How about that? Right in theme with what we're talking about. No matter what we talk about, by the way, I'm going to bring it to uh, superheroes. Uh, so Hugh Jackman, Wolverine. How about this one? Um, maybe a little bit less uh, Vin Diesel. Like anytime I see Vin Diesel, I'm just thinking of the Fast and Furious franchise, right? Dominic Toretto. Uh, Dominic Toretto. Or, um, you know, sometimes you have people where like, you know those people and you know them for that role, right? Like around here, whenever you see Pastor Greg, <laughs> you see Pastor Greg and you just know him for that role. Like he's our senior pastor, right? <laughs> Haters will say it's photoshopped. This is real. This is Pastor Greg. I, some of you are like, I didn't know he was so buffed. He is. He's, he's ripped. He didn't know. So, right. So some people you just recognize for their role. You see them and it's like, yeah, they're, they're, that's their role. And, and it's synonymous, right? But I'm going to let you in on a little secret that is photoshopped. <laughs> and, uh, and it's actually, it's Chris back there. He's doing sound. He's ducking under. Um, that's actually Chris's body is super ripped. You didn't know that. <clears throat> so some people are just known for their role. And so in the same way, like Mary and Joseph, if you didn't know who they are, that's Jesus' parents. Right? I mean, for the rest of eternity, that's what we're going to say. Mary and Joseph, oh, those are Jesus' parents. And when we go through this Stars of Christmas series, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some of these 
characters, some of these stars through the Christmas story. And we're going to learn a little bit about why God chose them to be stars in the Christmas story. And uh, this series we'll look at today, we'll look at um, Mary and Joseph, and then we'll look at a few other ones as we move forward through, through the next couple of weeks. So um, we're going to start our story off in Matthew. And when we get to Matthew chapter 1, what we see is the story begins really as all great stories begin, with a page full of names, right? Every story you've ever read begins this way, right? Just a whole page full of names. And because what, what, what Matthew knows is that every reader, you know, like you just really hook every reader when you just have a page full of names, right? That's really what, like when you look at a page and you see all the names, you're like, ooh, I'm interested. I'll read on. Right? Is that, that is not ever, nobody's ever done that, right? Nobody gets to Matthew 1 and looks at all these names and says, ooh, tell me more, right? So why would Matthew start the greatest story of all time with a page full of names, right? Like probably the most unattractive way to start a story, but he does this for a specific purpose. The, the purpose is Matthew wants to know that he spent a little bit of money and investment on 23andMe or Ancestry.com in order to get this genealogy. And so he wants you to know he really did his research. No, There's a theological debate on which one he used, whether it was uh, 23andMe or Ancestry.com. So, you know, theologians will literally argue about anything. So the debate is, which one was it? No, it, truthfully, it, it's actually, when you look at this, what you see is that Joseph, who is the father of Jesus there, right, he would, he would act as Jesus' father, earthly father, Joseph comes from a very long line of people who had kids, which makes him pretty relatable to most of us because we too come from a very long line of people who had kids. And so that makes Joseph very relatable, which means that that might be one of the reasons why God chose Joseph to star in this Christmas. Some of you guys may not have caught that. All right, I'm totally joking about that. No, there's, a, there's actually a better reason. So uh, the reason is this. Any great story, a storyteller will always start with promises. In the first half of a book, storytellers start with promises. And then the second half of the book, what, the, what a great storyteller will do is they will do payoffs. They will pay off those promises. And so what this is, this is actually a payoff from a bunch of promises that were made. And we'll look at that, the one specific one, which is in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where here's the promise. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. So what's happening here is Nathan is telling David, hey, your kingdom will endure forever. Someone will reign on your throne from your lineage forever and ever. That's the promise. In the first half of the book, the Old Testament is full of promises that are all promises or Easter eggs. If you like watching certain movies, they have Easter eggs like Marvel movies. It's all going to be Marvel all the time with me. And so you have promises or Easter eggs in the beginning half of the book, right? In, in the Old Testament, it's all promises. And in the second half, what we see when we get to the Gospels is we see all those promises being paid off so that when we get to Matthew 1, Matthew says very deliberately, on purpose, this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David. Matthew's making a statement here. Matthew is saying that that king that we have been waiting for, the king that was promised way over here in 2 Samuel 7, here's the payoff. Jesus is born 
from this same line. He's the king that we've all been waiting for. And so you have promises and pay, payoffs. And then this would be the payoffs. And so the star of God's huge story is basically being, uh, the promises are being fulfilled with him. And this is being described in this section. And, and, and when, I, when I'm reading through this, as I'm going through this message, here's, here's my question. Why, why Mary and Joseph? Like, why, why them? Because there were other men that were of the line of David, right? God didn't have to choose Joseph. God didn't have to choose Mary. God actually could have chosen someone else from the line of David. But here's the question, like, why? Why they? Why were they chosen? And here's a question that you could think on throughout this message is, is like, you think about what is their role? What is your role? What is your role in God's great story? What is your role? You could even write that down on the sheet they gave you when you walked in. What is your role in God's great story? And the question we're looking really here is, why, why would God choose Mary and Joseph? And so we'll get right into the story. And it's a it's a very familiar story. Most of you have probably heard this story, but we'll go through it again. And Matthew says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. After her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Okay, so here's what's happening. Uh, in our context, what we have is we have typically an engagement, that, and then the wedding starts the marriage, right? And in this culture, it's slightly different, where when, when you were what, what we would call an engagement period, when you're in that engagement period, if you were going to break it off, you would actually have to go and get a divorce, because you are legally already bound at that point. And so Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. Whoops. And, and he knows for sure, he knows two things, right? From Joseph, imagine, from Joseph's perspective, he knows two things. One is that his soon-to-be wife, Mary, is pregnant. And two, the baby is not his. And so Joseph sings Billie Jean from a Michael Jackson song, the kid is not my son, right? So, I mean, that's what he's singing right now. He's like, this kid is not, I know, I know this, he's not mine, right? And so wouldn't you be freaked out? Right, imagine if you're Joseph and, and you're in his shoes, you're now w about to marry someone who is pregnant with not your child. And, and I don't know about you, but no matter what she says, I'm not buying it, right? Like if my wife, and I love my wife, but she's also a sinner and I know that. And Mary was a sinner too, okay? We, uh, she, she was not perfect. And so if my wife was like, uh, yeah, I'm pregnant. Um, and I'm like, what? It's not mine. That's impossible. She would be like, no, but an angel told me that it's from the Lord. I'd be like, angel didn't tell me that. I'm out, right? <laughs> not only am I out, but I'm going to go tweet about it too. Not like Joseph. Joseph said he's going to resolve, resolve the divorce quietly. No, no, no. I don't even have Twitter. I'm activating a Twitter account so I could tweet about it so everybody knows that Selena is pregnant with a baby that's not mine, right? Like, no, I'm totally throwing her under the bus. So... You see right here, like Joseph has incredible character, and we'll get to that in a minute. But one thing that Joseph does is Joseph trusts the Lord, and that's what's amazing, right? An angel comes to Joseph, and, and I'll tell you, an angel would have to come to me. There's no other way. And even if that happened, I probably still wouldn't believe. But an angel comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David. You catch that? 
Joseph, son of David? You see what Matthew is doing here when he writes this. He's re, he's re, there's a word there. Reiterating, thank you. He's reiterating that he's from the line of David. Okay, so Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. He's probably still afraid about that. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Even if an angel came, I probably would still be like, uh, I'm not so sure about that. I really, I mean, that would be a tough pill to swallow, right? I mean, just imagine being in Joseph's shoes. But Joseph does what really we don't often do. And Joseph trusts the Lord. Um, and that's amazing. I mean, just think about it. Like an angel does a whole Leonardo DiCaprio from Inception, enters your dream and tells you, no, I'm not buying it, right? Like I'm going to say I had a weird dream, but he trusts God. So one of three answers that I'm going to give you today is, uh, like, why Mary and Joseph? One, I think because they trust the Lord. I think the reason why they're chosen, one of them, is that they trust God. And there's this saying, um, it says, a pastor sees people at their worst. A lawyer, or a pastor sees people at their best. A lawyer sees people at their worst, but a doctor sees people as they are. So we're going to look at the doctor who wrote this section of the story. Dr. Luke, if you didn't know, Luke was a, a physician, a doctor in this day. And so um, we're, we want to look at what are these, these stars of this Christmas story? What are, we want to see them as they really are. What were these people really like? And so when we go to this story, we pick up a little bit on what happens with Mary. And so the angel Gabriel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't often get angels just show up at my house or in my dreams, right? Like we just went through two different angel appearances and like, it not, like nothing even happened, right? Like it was just like all cool. Like angel talked to Joseph in a dream. Angel shows up here and we're just like, yeah, that's pretty, pretty typical. Like, I don't know about you. Do angels appear at your house or in your, because that never happens to me. I've never had an angel just show up. And so we can't just breeze past this without making a couple angel puns. So how do angels light a candle with a match made in heaven? I know, it's great. What do angels put in their salsa? Jalapeno. Yeah. All right, here's one. So uh, you, you maybe have made this mistake. You know how when you spell, sometimes you'll misspell angel and you'll put angle, right? A-N-G-L-E instead of A-N-G-E-L. That's just because you're trying to be edgy. <clears throat> so the angel Gabriel says what I found is, is incredibly interesting. Greetings, O favored one. Gabriel calls Mary favored one. Now, you, you could just read right through that, but what, what I'm asking when I read something like that is why, why was Mary a favored one? Or an even better question, how? How is Mary favored by God? How does that happen? How does one become favored by God? And one thing that we see when we see Scripture, throughout Scripture, different people in the Bible, what we often see is that there are some people that God chooses, He has favor on them, and there are some certain things that, that line up that are consistent. 
And what I often see when I look at someone who is favored by God is I see that they display admirable character. And so what I think is happening is that Mary is displaying admirable character. And Joseph, has, we already saw, displays admirable character. And that's incredibly important. Because if God is going to choose you to star in his big story, you need to display admirable character. And there's a good reason for that. Because if you don't, here's what happens. The star of God's story, right? Like the sun. There's, he's, Jesus is the star of the story, right? And we're like the moon. So that during like a solar eclipse, what ends up happening is if we get in the way of the star, then it casts a shadow on the world. You follow me? We're like the moon here. Where if, if we try to make everything about us, what we're actually doing is we're we're getting in the way so that the people can't actually see the star. Jesus is a star. And through our character, we can actually get in the way of people from seeing the true star. And we end up trying to be the star in ourselves. And all we're actually doing, we're not bringing light to the world. We're actually causing darkness to come upon the world. You follow me with that? And then there's another way of looking at it. There's, there's a lunar eclipse. And a lunar eclipse is when the world gets in the way of you. When, when the world is between you and God, when there's so much world in you that actually you're also just as dark as the world, right? Because look at that, where the moon is, the moon is right facing the dark side of the earth. And you know, that's where we are. We're here and we're, we're sent to be the moon so that we would actually reflect the light that comes from the star. So the light would be reflected from the star onto the earth so that even the dark side in our world, even our world, which is dark, and our world is dark, is it not? Is not our nation falling into further darkness? I mean, we have, in many ways, our nation has, has embraced sin and calls it good. In many ways, we call good bad and we call bad good. And our nation has gone from, just like in Judges, goes through this same cycle. If you ever read through Judges, there's a cycle that happens over and over and over. And so what I know is that people do this, people do this over and over and over, where we are in a cycle where we, we sin, we rebel against God, and then that always leads to destruction. Sin always leads to destruction. Our nation has accepted sin, has embraced sin, and we are now leading into destruction. And so what I know about that is that at some point, our nation, our people, when they've gone through destruction, they're eventually going to be sick of that, and they're going to be sorrowful, and they're going to cry out. They're going to look for a leader. They're going to look for some way out. And that way out is where you come in because you are called in Matthew 5, the light of the world. When the world is in so much darkness and they're so ready to see the light, you're the hope that, that, that Jesus sends. You're that moon. The light reflects off of you. The light of the Lord himself reflects off of you into the dark world so that they have hope. You are the light of the world. You're the hope that the world is waiting for. So when the world is ready to turn back around and God is ready to deliver our dark nation back over to, and bring them over, you're who he's going to send. You are the light of the world. You're not the star, but you reflect the light that the star gives. Does that make sense? That is so important. It is so important, Christians, that we display admirable character. And I think that where we're at right now is a direct result of this effect right here where the world has gotten in our way. And so there's no light reflecting off of us. We need to get back in track 
so that the light can reflect off us. We need to get the light in us so that the light can go from us to the dark world. <clears throat> so then we come back to Mary. And uh, right after this angel appears to Mary and tells her basically what's going to happen. And wouldn't that be nice if, like, if someone came up and gave you your script for your life, right? The angel says, hey, Mary, you're going to give birth to a son. And she's like, okay. She says, yes. And, and I, I want to be careful. We're going we're gonna to dig in right here, okay? So um, this is where we're going to stop and we're going to sort of like dig in and get to the hole of what we're talking about. I need to be careful with these digging puns. You can get a minor injury. Some of you act like you don't like dad jokes. But I know you dig it. All right. So Mary, Mary says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Isn't that incredible? Mary is being told that she's going to be pregnant with a child from God. And she's got to know that no one's going to believe that. Right? And so let's put this into a little bit of a modern context. Um, so Mary, she's going to accept the shame is basically what she's saying. I'm going I'm to accept the shame. I'm going to accept the risk. And in that culture, that risk, by law, you could actually be put to death for adultery. And everybody's going to think she committed adultery. So she's accepting the risk. She's going to accept the burden of raising the child, the Messiah, not, not Grogu from Mandalorian, the child, Right? And she's accepting all that. She's also making some sacrifices with her marriage, with her family's honor. She's going to make a sacrifice of her own reputation. And so in a modern context, what this might look like is it might look like, imagine for a second you are a 14-year-old girl. If you are a 14-year-old girl, like we have our youth sitting over here, you don't have to imagine, just you are a 14-year-old girl. But then imagine <laughs> that you are pregnant, Okay. You're a 14-year-old girl, you're pregnant, and now you're walking through class, and you have this big belly. I don't even have to imagine, like, that part. <laughs> Just Thanksgiving, right, all week long. So, so you have this big pregnant belly, and you're walking through school, and now all of the girls that, you know, like, they avoid you, and all the, all the boys, like, now all of a sudden, none of them want to talk to you, right? Like, maybe you wanted to date a couple of those boys, but not anymore. They don't even want to talk to you. You're pregnant. Just imagine that, 14-year-old girl going to high school and dealing with that. And then imagine all your friends that you had, suddenly their parents are saying, no, I don't want you hanging out with her because she's a bad influence. And I don't want you to be around people like that. Could you imagine that? Gosh, that would be terrifying for a 14-year-old girl. And then imagine that all your teachers look at you a different way, right? All your teachers are over here looking at you with disappointment. And you can see it on their faces. Maybe they don't even say anything, but they look at you with disappointment. They look at you with, maybe they look at you with pity, like you just ruined your entire future. Maybe they look at you even with judgment. So you got to go to school and you got to face all that. And then, and then it gets worse. Imagine all of that, plus everyone knows it's not, it's not your boyfriend's. Everyone knows that you have a boyfriend and that that baby does not belong to him. That's a context. That's what Mary is saying yes to. Mary says, yes, I'll go through that. And I, and I just wonder, is that not why God chooses Mary to be part of his story, the Christmas story? I wonder if God is, is not saying, you know what, I choose you, Pikachu, because you're willing to be obedient. 
I, I, I think that's exactly why. I think that's exactly why Mary's chosen. I think that's why Joseph is chosen because they're willing to be obedient. And for all eternity, now on this side, what we see is all eternity, Mary and Joseph are going to be known and they're, they're going to be, we're going to see them in heaven. We're going to be like, hey, that's Jesus' parents, right? Just like, just like Selena. Hey, that's Jesus' parents. They have it much worse though. And, and they were chosen to co-star in God's story. But they were chosen, I think, because they trusted God. They displayed admirable character and because they were willing to be obedient. And this is where it comes to us now. I, my question is, would you be willing? My, my question to you is, is, are you willing to trust God? Are you willing to display admirable character? And are you willing to accept your role in his story? You know, you have a role in God's story. We're in a Christmas season right now. So the Christmas story is continuing right now. And you have a role in that story. And, and a lot of times when we when we share, you know, when we go through a message on a Sunday, sometimes, there, you, you know, you leave and you're like, okay, let's see, how can I apply what I learned today? How can I go and do that? This isn't one of those times. This is one of those times where I'm going to tell you exactly what you can do right now. And so what, what I'm asking you, and I think she has a slide that she can put up, is I want to ask you if you would be willing to step into one of the craziest seasons of, of the year. Like Christmas is one of the craziest seasons for the church all year. And here's now your opportunity. Are you willing to step into your role? And so we have tons of opportunities right now with all kinds of stuff going on through this season. You can volunteer. And so what I would ask you is go ahead. If you want to step up and you want to volunteer, pull out your phone right now. That's going to be more important than anything else I have to say is that you would just step up and go to this website, obcc.church slash Christmas. And you can volunteer for all kinds of stuff. I mean, we have the Narnia play. Um, we have tree lighting. Engraved women's event is coming. Um, we have all kinds of stuff. The Dos, Lago, Dos Lagos concert. We have all kinds of stuff that's happening. Would you be willing to step up? You know, you were never designed to be part of the audience. God created you with the purpose of being on the field in play. You have a role. God gave you a role. He wants you to co-star in his story. And so I would, I would ask, would you be willing to do that? Um, and, and a couple weeks from now, two weeks from now, we're having uh, child care for Christmas shopping. So I need help. I need help with that child care. I, I could use help from, uh, from some of you that would be willing to step in and help us out. Because I want to provide a service for families to where parents can go and do some shopping for their kids. And I think that would be a great, fill a great need for this church. And so I've asked the youth and some of our volunteers if they would be willing to, hey, let's do this as a fundraiser. Let's help our families out and go in and do some childcare for them so they can go for a couple hours and do some shopping. And what I've found is that a lot of our youth volunteers are youth volunteers because they don't want to do childcare. <laughs> so, right? They're like, oh, we'll do the teenagers because we're not here to babysit, right? Like we just want to um, pick on teenagers and throw dodgeballs at each other. So, so that's why they volunteer. So it's a, it's a little bit more challenging to get help with childcare volunteers. Um, so if you would be willing to help with that, I'm going to be out there at Youth Central right after this, and then you can come out there and you can uh, come sign up for that. One last thing is uh, this is really like a casting call. You know, who is willing to be a co-star? And so uh, hopefully you're excited about two things. Hopefully you're excited that you get to participate in God's story. And the other thing is hopefully you're excited that uh, this is a shorter message than normal. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and pray. 
And I think Brad's going to come up here and uh, do some announcements. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much. We thank you for everything that you've done. And Lord, I pray for our congregation. I just thank you for everything that they do. I pray that you would encourage them and, and show them the gift that it is to get to serve on your team, to be a co-star in your story. And Lord, I'm, I'm reminded that, you know, when I, when I started serving at a church, it's, it's really one of the greatest blessings I've ever experienced. It seems strange that we go and add to our work and that would, it would be a good thing, but that's exactly what it is. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be able to serve and be a part of your story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And before Nick gets off stage, can we just give it up for this guy? If you have, if you have kids that are approaching junior high or high school age, they're going to have Nick pouring into them through that, those formative years. And I just love him. I'm such a fan of him. He's such a gifted teacher. And bro, thank you for what you do. Honestly, there's just... So I worked with teenagers for the last three years before I came here in high school ministry. And... Like, teenagers need grown-ups who aren't their parents who will pour into them. And, like, those role models and people, like, absolutely changed my life as a teenager. And uh, so I'm just going to plug, pray about volunteering with this guy and serving and being, you know, just like a a father or mother figure to these students. They need it. It's so, like, you will change lives. You will change family lineages just based on if you can just pour into these kids and just tell them what you know. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to know the whole Bible. Just whatever you know about Jesus, you're pouring into them. Lots of listening. It's glorious. But uh, I know that's not supposed to be the announcement. I just can't help myself. I love this guy. All right, Nick. Thanks. You can get out of here now. Yeah. Uh, and now my self-serving announcement is that I'm in charge of decorating that big tree out there. And uh, if any of you guys want to stick around and help, it'd be fun. We're going to zip tie the ornaments on so the Santa Anas don't take them away. And that's going to be good. So if you want to hang out, um, I'll be out there by the tree doing stuff. Would love to have you. And uh, yeah, like Nick said, we have a ton of events coming up. And these are all great opportunities for us to, to bring your friends, your neighbors, people to church. Like, I think a lot of people have never actually heard the gospel. I was thinking about that this morning. How many kids have grown up and they don't, don't actually know that Christmas isn't about Santa? Just as the world's gotten more secular, it's like, we're going to have this Christmas concert on the 10th at Dos Lagos, or sorry, the 11th. I'm now looking at the thing. You can bring your friends to that. We're going to have some bands, some kids from the community playing some music. We're going to play some music, and um, we're going to talk about Christmas. Um, and the night before, I'm doing my backwards announcements. On the 10th, there's a women's uh, engraved Christmas event, and I think it's $15. It says it's free on the, the flyer you got, but don't believe it. It's 15 bucks. It's going to be worth it. Come on. And uh, so you can come out to that. Bring your friends. And uh, also, my big tree, it's not mine, but our tree that we're going to go decorate, this coming Saturday, we're going to light that thing up with... with Butane torches. That would be way more fun, but we're just going to light, we're going to plug it in, actually. So come to the Christmas tree plug-in uh, next Saturday, and that's something you can bring your friends. We're going to sing some carols. It's going to be beautiful. Um, and that's all I got. I love you guys. This is great. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye.